Hi, I'm Nicola. And I'm Jay Percy. And welcome, welcome to the, the Afro Animist Podcast. We are two animists and spiritual practitioners exploring the secular through the spiritual, discussing life experiences through a sacred lens. Each week we share our experiences and dive deep into everything in life, from philosophy, metaphysics, obeah, occultism, shamanism, culture, healing, nature, animism, the arts, pop culture, conspiracies, psychedelics and witchcraft. Nothing is off the table in these discussions which aim to get to the heart of what it means to be spiritual and Afro-diasporic in an increasingly sterile and authoritarian world. We keep it real whilst exploring the biggest mysteries of our multiverse. Join us holding this space to laugh, cry, debate, build community and tear down oppressive structures. Welcome, 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 beautiful, beautiful being of the multiverse to the Afro Animist podcast. You are here with me today, Joe Percy. And me, Nicola Roth. And today we will be sharing with you our thoughts and research on victim blaming and toxic positivity. Yes, I'm very happy that we're doing this episode because um, I think it's a problem not only within the spiritual community, um, but it, it just spans across all communities. And um, I think it's important that we talk about it with some nuance. Um, mm-hmm. And by some nuance, I, I want to dig down into it. Because um, if you're in like some of the thought tunnels that perhaps I am that are sort of more... Um, probably classified as more liberal, um, then, you know, there's a heavy, heavy emphasis on why we don't victim blame. And it's really important that we don't blame someone um, who has been victimized in a situation, which is what victim blaming is. It's putting the blame and the onus and the shame back onto the person who's been the receiver of some kind of violence against them. Um, and um, we can do that a lot in the society. Um, we also do need to talk about the fact that in some situations, while you have been a victim, it, it is really easy as humans to burrow down and double down into that place. And um, it takes us away from post-traumatic growth which is really important if when terrible, terrible, atrocious things happen to us, um, we need to find a way through it, through various techniques. Otherwise, it literally drags down our lives. Um, And then the only person who is suffering would be us again. Um, So it's important to have these measures in place so we're protecting ourselves and safeguarding ourselves against what the you know person who has enacted this violence against us does um because Mm -hmm. ultimately if we let ourselves uh, burrow into these places and i say let ourselves i say that quite liberally as someone who has experienced all kinds of abuse through her life um you know physical verbal emotional sexual um it is important to find a place where we can re-empower ourselves and move forward from there. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess this is a really long way of saying <laughs> we're not blaming you as a victim. What we are telling you is once you understand where you've been a victim, how we can go about thinking about the models that either pull us further into that victim's trap or move us away back into self-empowerment. Does that make sense to you, Nikki? A thousand percent, yeah. You're you're being so eloquent, so beautifully eloquent at the moment, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it makes completely (laughs) nice sense. I think it's it's really important to be very um, sensitive about this because there are millions of billions of people out there who have experienced some kind of violence in some kind of way. And what we're not doing in this episode is going, well, it happened, suck it up and get over it. We're not doing that in this episode. No, 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 no. What we are doing is talking about the idea of being a victim with some more nuance um, Mm -hmm. because it, because it is needed. And I don't feel like these conversations are had enough, which is why Nikki and I agreed to do this episode. Um, Mm -hmm. We've been discussing this for a very, very long time um, because we lived through the horrors that were 2020. And we've seen how people, how poorly people have been treated. And then the aftermath is that of a society, how we actually respond to that. And Mm -hmm. I do feel like sometimes um, we can, and I'm even saying this about myself, myself in my personal life, um, not put enough agency into my part in the situation. You won't always have a part in the situation, but you Mm -hmm. are there. So to some level, you will have a part in your healing process going forward. And you need mm-hmm. to, you owe it to yourself. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important to, to like specify that, you know, because I've, I've struggled with that in my life. I am somebody who has felt often like I'm a victim. I've been told, and this is something that I really, really don't like. And I think is actually a really negative thing to do. So I've been told that I'm a victim or that I act like a victim you know, I've been told you, those words have been used in order to like try and make me fix up and not be in that place anymore. It's been um, weaponized I, against you. Been weaponized exactly, and I am. Um, I feel like yeah. In in more recent times, there's been a, an interesting conversation is developing around it, where we're starting to understand <laughs> that just because something happens to you, it doesn't mean that is your fault. You know. <laughs> And I used to have this attitude where I'd be like, you know, okay, well, I'm the common denominator in my life, obviously, we all are. So obviously everything that happens to me, I have some responsibility for in some way. And I feel like, again, what you've said makes it really clear that that isn't actually like the truth. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, um, you can experience something and it totally not be your fault. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. if you experience something that traumatizes you, then there does become a place where if you want to move through it you're going to have to take some kind of responsibility for your healing from that thing and that's where I think it can be quite confused in and that's where it can be confusing as an individual and that's where I feel like society can is very confused with the messages that it sends out about this kind of thing um yeah uh I'm finding like sorry go on you go 
No, um, because we talk about spiritual stuff here. Mm. Um, and um, I, I feel like what pops into my head, first of all, is the Abraham Hicks method of manifestation. Mm. Now you're probably thinking, you're talking about, you know, um, victim blaming. What has this got to do with anything? Um, I, earlier in the year, started listening to Abraham Hicks. Um, I was listening to it on Spotify. Um, unfortunately, it's been taken down. And I say unfortunately, because even though it probably contradicts everything I'm about to say here, um, I think it's been an amazing tool for manifestation. So I'll say that right now. It's an amazing tool for manifestation. It is not an amazing tool for healing necessarily things that have happened to you um, mm. because it literally tells you to brush past it and mm -hmm. in a roundabout way tells you to stop being a victim in your story because yeah. um, the whole, it, if you're familiar with the secret, um, it bases itself around this idea of the law of attraction. So the law of attraction is whatever energy you're putting out into the world, whatever thought you're putting out into the world, you're going to bring that back to you. So if you're thinking a lot of compounded negative thoughts, then you're going to have a lot of negative compounded actions coming back to you. Mm -hmm. um, so in a roundabout way, it kind of does blame you. If you've had these things happening to you, it's because within your, what they call the vortex, um, you've attracted something along the way that has been negative, mm -hmm. has come into your vortex I guess the closest thing we can think about it, it being is your kind of like aura and then it multiplies because you're focusing on that point and the reason I don't want to throw the baby out with the bath water with Abraham Hicks and I never will do by the way I'm always going to have this as a method in my toolbox for getting what I want out of life is because when we go back to the idea of the Kybalion or this idea of chaos magic the whole point of it is fixating on a single point in order to extract what you want out of the situation, which is what we do with spell work, right? It's what we're doing mm -hmm. when we're trying to create a spell or incantation or a meditation or even mantra. When we're chanting, we're normally focusing on a single point to attract that in. So in a roundabout way, it, it, it kind of does make some quantum sense to me that if you mm -hmm. keep focusing on bad things then more and more compounded bad things will come to you I've seen that this week where I've just moved house I've taken down my altar because I'm moving house and I need to put my altar up again and just one bad thing after another at work is happening and as I'm focusing on that bad thing another bad thing pops up and the more I talk about those bad things, the more energy it gives to it. And then another thing goes tits up in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to discuss this because it is a really big, whether it, you focus on Abraham Hicks or The Secret or any other kind of um, method of quantum manifesting within spirituality, it is going to have some aspect of this is your fault. You chose this or even looking into certain aspects of destiny um, mm -hmm. um, within ATRs, you know, you've signed a soul contract before you come down to earth. So you're signing mm -hmm. up for these experiences um, to learn something along the way. So everything happens for a reason. 
Mm. And we hear a lot of this rhetoric. When you're suffering with the trauma, when you're in the thick of it, it is the least helpful thing in the world. Um, oh, yeah. It's not helpful. Mm. It just makes you feel shittier. It makes you feel mm. shittier and then you dig yourself into a deeper hole and then guess what? You're, it's difficult to move from that place. You just get more and more and more stuck. Um, mm. So I do want to bring this up now. And mm. I guess my way of managing, holding space for the fact that traumatic things happen and I've got to work through the emotion of it and um, I shouldn't be focusing on the negative things is about paying attention to my body in the moment when it needs what it needs. And if mm. it is feeling down, if it is feeling low, if I am feeling low vibe, then I need to tend to that at that moment in time instead of forcing myself through some shitty manifestation technique. Um, because anything in the wrong place and time is shitty. In its yeah. place and time, it's great. In its place and time, it is the best thing going in its place and time I've manifested my way out of the working world you know mm -hmm. <laughs> I've manifested myself into an art career I've manifested myself into a podcast but there's no mm -hmm. way I would have been able to do any of that stuff right now right now because of mm -hmm. this week because of how terrible I have mm -hmm. been feeling these last three weeks yeah I, f I find it really interesting that you bring this up actually and I agree it's, it's super important that you do because um I struggle so when you did when you told me that you were doing Abraham Hicks and you sent it all over to me at the beginning of the year and I was like oh great enjoy <laughs> do you remember I was kind of like okay yeah. and you're like you should listen to it Nikki it will inspire you and actually I didn't say this to you because I don't like to affect things that are good for people like I wanted you to have your own journey with it but what you've just said about it is why I stopped doing it when I was 22 because right at the big when I was much younger and I was kind of coming out of that space of being a teenager into a woman I had also was also really suffering with my mental health and lots of things lots of very bad things had happened and continued to happen um and at that time in my life I was feeling very much like a like the world saw me as a victim, but like I felt like a really strong, powerful woman, but then all these bad things kept on happening to me. And yeah. in trying to make myself better and feel better and do better, I was using a lot of these techniques, like obviously the secret, Abraham Hicks. Um, and I've re I found that. And especially with the group of groups of people that I was with at that time in my life, like this whole rhetoric about, you've decided this, like you signed a contract. I'm like, fucking show me the fucking contract, boy. Like, I don't remember signing shit. Like you signed the contract, you like, you've asked for this. Everything's a lesson. You can handle absolutely everything you've been given whenever it happens. Da, 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 da. Like I struggled so hard because I wasn't feeling better from it. I wasn't manifesting all of the beautiful things, or maybe I was manifesting some great things, but also shit was happening in life because actually maybe that's kind of what happens, you know, like the good and bad that we live in a dual natured universe. Um, and so when I was working with those techniques, like in it, um, they were amazing sometimes and sometimes they're exactly what I needed to hear. Sometimes it, I needed to have a voice say to me, you need to kind of get over this today. You need to, go into the vortex you need to go into the good places you need to feel those good places because you know what they feel like so now you need to take that responsibility for yourself sometimes that's what I needed and other days that was soul crushing 
Like I cannot do that. There is no physical, emotional, mental, spiritual fucking way that I'm going to be able to pull myself into this like high vibrational place today so that I can manifest paying my bills this month. It's not just not going to fucking happen. And actually sometimes that needs to be okay. Um, so I find it really interesting because I feel like there's all these techniques and there's these, you know, these things that you can do and they all have a place. And I think one of the things that we're not very good at in our society as human beings with each other is kind of going, you know, life is kind of life and, you know, but bad things will happen and good things will happen. And actually that's okay. It's okay. It's okay to experience bad things. It's okay to experience good things. Like, um, and those things don't have to weigh on you. They don't have to destroy you. They don't have to define you. Like, I feel like a lot in the spiritual community, we hear, you know, it's, you know, I talk about it a lot, you know, it's a place of like becoming better. Like I'm always, you know, I say, I want to, I want to be, be better. I want to feel better. I want to do better. And I, and, and again, that's okay. But also it's not, it's not always necessary. I feel like sometimes we, it could be, it could be really, really useful to accept like where you are and accept that things have happened. Um, and then move forward from that place of how you actually genuinely feel about it. I have spent so much time actually being super confused, so confused about this stuff, like wanting it to make sense and it not actually physically making sense inside of me. So I feel like it's a really important thing for you to say. Like manifestation is one of those really interesting things that is banded about and is, yeah, seen as like really simple, straightforward. Okay, you just feel the thing and you receive the thing. The reality of that is is not the truth. Like the kind of like sweet kind of package secret that we've been given, like is not actual, the actual real truth of the depth of how to understand those practices. They are like fucking cookie cutter on the shelf, like one size fits all things that, you know, I kind of see them as version. gateways. Consumable, consumable versions. I see them as gateways, you know, like when I was, when I was working at, <laughs> at the Bitgram Yoga Center in London, um, and I think I mentioned oh, this before, you know, people would come, run out. I know we can talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, people would run out of this hot room doing this yoga, crying and screaming and throwing up and like, going, why the fuck is this happening to me? And, you know, like not understanding like what the heat and all that kind of stuff was doing to them. And I'd see this process that would happen to the regulars where they would come in and some people were just stuck in that place. They wanted to do that. They need the heat. They need the fast pace, the anger. And then there was this, there would be like certain people who would come through and I'd watch them for a couple of months. I'd watch them really struggling with this yoga, but also desperately wanting to connect with the, the spiritual side and the art of it. And then they would come to me and say, oh, do you know what? Like, I don't know, it, you know, I feel like I really want to do the yoga, but I feel like there's something that's missing here for me. And I'd say, okay, well, okay, cool. This is the gateway yoga. Now go to this class or go to that class or study that kind of thing because we've moved, do, do, do you get what I'm saying? So it's like the gateway. So, so yeah, so like, you know, like that, I feel like these techniques can be a gateway to kind of get you through the door. And then once you kind of use these techniques, you know, you may find, like we've said, for example, about the secret, 
that that didn't end up working out for us in the long term. But it's I feel like what is good about these things is it kind of opens the doorway for you to see that there are techniques and then you can kind of go into them and then from there find things over time that maybe work a bit better. Um, yeah, it's really interesting about the manifestation thing. I think we get really caught up on that <laughs> as spiritual people. It should be easy we, to just fucking yeah. have your life however That's you want it, right? That's why we're spiritual people, right? We're trying to manifest our perfect yeah. lives. And <laughs> the reality of that is um, you need to give yourself some emotional maintenance because you can't mm-hmm. be in a state of manifesting all the time. Um, it just isn't sustainable. It just isn't healthy. And I think you've hit on a really good point there that these things, they are useful. They're useful for knowing different states of being and different philosophies towards life. Um, so I, I, like I said before, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want to say these things are just blanket bad because all they do is teach you toxic positivity. Mm. And um, yeah, they absolutely can do when something traumatic has just happened to you. When you've moved through that and you're looking to move your life in a direction further away from those experiences happening again and again, then that's where I think it comes in useful um and it isn't it isn't the only thing you would use at that point in time either in my Mm. mind it would be used for very specific things so very specific manifestations within your life because there's still going to be an element of like I keep saying the post-traumatic growth that you need to um maintain and you can't maintain that by um positive thinking alone you know, there's actual really nitty gritty stuff you need to do. So much trauma. Um, science is slowly catching up to this again. So much trauma is stored in the body itself. So it's not just in the brain, in your memories. It's stored in your muscle tissue. Um, mm-hmm. It's stored in your organs. And that's where we start to see so many of these lifestyle diseases creep up. Um, I think it's... <laughs> I mean, with people with hypertension, the, the trick is in the name, right? Hypertension. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can start to, when we start to look at each of these illnesses and, you know, the types of traumas or people with those traumas um, associated to those common lifestyle diseases, you can start to see a pattern of where these traumas have settled. Yeah. Um, And this sort of brings me on to the idea of um, a drama triangle um, because now that we're all online, oh my God, there's so much drama in our lives on a day-to-day basis. Are you familiar Mm. with the drama triangle? No, I feel like you've mentioned it to me before, but but please explain, explain away. Okay. Um, So this is Cartman's drama triangle. And what it describes is dysfunctional relationships where people in the relationship move between um, different roles. So there are three different roles. It's a triangle, of course. So persecutor, rescuer, and victim. And everyone's held in those places by blame, shame, guilt. And wherever you are on this triangle is a really extreme place to be. 
Um, so really what you're hoping to move is towards the center of the triangle or along those lines so you have a bit more of a balance. Um, now this is normally um, a social um, model that is related to you know a relationship. Um, however, I, I really do see this as being applied to so much more of our lives now, especially where this idea of social justice comes in. Um, you and I, we're both African diasporic. Um, we also um, possess a proximity to whiteness. So it's important to acknowledge both of those things. And um, in that, it's important to acknowledge that we're not always going to be we're not always going to fit in society. We're still going to ex experience um, race, racially biased treatment. Um, and sometimes it can come from either side as well. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. Um, and when it comes to like any kind of protected characteristic, like race, age, sex, um, gender, disability, um, there's always going to be some element of blame, um, I, I guess, persecutor, rescuer or victim that's going to be placed upon us within those social dynamics. Um, so we see this quite a lot with this conversation in the wider community with toxic masculinity, um, which I find it's really important to address. Um, it also... Um, puts how do I put this it's it's a thing that exists in our society we know that toxic masculinity exists however the way it's being had the, the way the conversation is being had in the public psyche is not really a nuanced conversation because mm -hmm. it puts um, a lot of men or most men <laughs> into a position of persecutor which then if you're a woman you're then put into a possession position of victim um and mm. then you might have perhaps say some women um who are womanists who are feminists putting them into extreme position of rescuer so what you have in this um dynamic of like rescuer where someone's there to like rescue someone out of a situation and it's um not necessarily that and the noble idea of rescuer it's like self-sacrificing over helpful over facilitative meddling it's like that really extreme end instead of more of a balance and an understanding of what's going on um and then putting i guess the the men men catch all i'm not just talking about toxic masculinity but men into position of persecutor being angry aggressive bullying um, and then putting all women into this place of like victim where it's like completely needy, completely downtrodden. Um, mm. we, we start to see quite quickly how within that triangle, a lot of power is being taken away from women in these conversations. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely places uh, where women don't have power in these conversations we need to move towards empower, empowering women to have a space in this. Um, and between the three of them, we have these like shouty arguments instead of like a whole bodied human movement 
towards progression and unity, which is like what I think mm-hmm. we're um, we're looking to do. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's such a fascinating dynamic that you see in like interpersonal relationships, but then you can see mm-hmm. again applied to activist movements. And I need to just mm-hmm. say now, this is by no way me saying, oh, these activist movements, they're all either victims or, um, you know, rescuers. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. I'm saying when we get to the extreme edges of those conversations where there's literally no room for understanding, that's where we we start to come in at a problem. So we have mm-hmm. a lot of blame in society for ta- toxic masculinity. Um, whereas... Um, who maintains who maintains that it's not just men that are maintaining that it's Mm -hmm. it's also been women who have maintained that in the past and I come across so many because we run a podcast I get loads of recommendations for podcasts you see so many Mm -hmm. of these trashy podcasts where it's just like oh no men are supposed to do this and we need a high value man so we have these like conversations from women that are actually like fueling and maintaining this system of oppression. And mm-hmm. um, it would be said, oh, well, they're actually victims in the situation and they've just been brainwashed and, you know, they're benefiting from the system. So they're like feeding into it because they don't need, any, they don't know any other way. Um, I, in the grand scheme of things, I genuinely believe that Earth, Midgard, is this realm of, happiness and horrors so i do Mm -hmm. feel like these people would just exist (laughs) throughout time and space whatever planet you dropped people on this would still be a problem you would still have a problem of people wanting to maintain particular systems because that's all they know um so we each need to take responsibility for our roles in these situations we each do um, mm-hmm. and uh, this has gone into a bit of a toxic, toxic masculinity rant. I absolutely acknowledge it exists, but um, mm-hmm. personally, I don't understand why toxic femininity isn't spoken about nearly enough. And I say this as someone who has mm-hmm. perhaps two parents who are both incredibly traumatized and acted out their trauma as forms of abuse on me. So I've mm-hmm. seen both sides. I've yeah. seen that there is a toxic masculinity. There definitely is. Toxic masculine mm. in my life runs away with 19-year-olds. <laughs> the toxic yeah, feminine yeah, yeah. in my life is reading journals and emotionally putting you down. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to go into that into detail, but there's that both exist. And mm-hmm. because we are in this drama triangle within the social psyche, we talk about the so- the toxic masculine and we never talk about the toxic feminine. We never talk about the mm-hmm. toxic feminine. We'll talk about the divine feminine. We'll never talk about the divine masculine and what it means to have the divine masculine. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about these things as concepts of spiritual gender, as in like the Kybalion. I'm not talking about it as in like biological sex. I'm talking about yeah. the energies of masculine and feminine as we understand in the spiritual community. Very important definition. Thank you for adding that in. But yeah, a hundred percent. I totally agree. Um, sorry, I'm I'm being distracted by the um, the masculine in my, in my life right now. My dog 
yeah. while you were talking about that and educating us all was literally lying there sucking his own dick. I think that sums it up. Toxic masculine. Anyway, um, <laughs> jokes. <laughs> um, I, 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 it's such an interesting thing, isn't it? Because when we talk about this stuff, sometimes my brain just goes to a place of like, yeah, no matter what, I just feel like we live in a realm of infinite potential. So all of these That's things are, are part of that, you know. Um, it's also when I'm t when we're saying about, you know, just the dual nature of life in that something's, you know, good things happen and bad things happen. I don't know if you remember the Miller Lite advert and it was like, pain comes pleasure. Da, da, da. <laughs> and there is, I feel like that is a little bit of like a key to life. Um, you know, I... I I, one of the things that I've been finding really interesting recently recently is the fact that we're starting to understand that there is actually such a thing as toxic positivity. You know, like yeah. that just was never really a thing before. I feel like I, that's only something, that's only a term I've heard maybe in the last like two or three years, toxic positivity. Um, yeah. But I also feel like right now, the, the, the part of this I'm finding most interesting is like the, the, the victim blaming aspect or not, you know, not blaming victims but the understanding actually that victims aren't to blame like we spoke about um um earlier and i feel like you, you kind of touched on this as well everybody probably most people and i don't like just using sweeping generalizations but but probably most people on this planet have suffered some kind of trauma have been at some point in their lives a victim and potentially also been a perpetrator like you're saying in this 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 um i've already forgotten what it's called the triangle <laughs> yeah, the drama I want to. I want to point you to Donald Trump, who was, for, you mm. know, just a devil on our planet, being talked about for yep. for years. Obviously, for obviously reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was doing, when I was uh, during one of my psychotherapy lectures, he was actually brought up um, because he is such a dysfunctional personality. Have you had a look at his mm -hmm. childhood? He was basically just like a rich, and this isn't me going, have empathy for Trump. And <laughs> people, you you all need to know the difference between explain and excuse. You can explain yes. something without excusing shitty behavior. You can say they're an adult and they need to work through being a better person. We could mm -hmm. also say, these are the things that have happened in this person's life, in this person's life to create this framework, which essentially mm -hmm. is the framework they are living through. He had a shit childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, not in the sense of money, very, very rich parents, but he was just treated like shit by the masculine figure in his house, his father. So if that's the type of shitty person he's going to interject and he's interjected that shitty father who's been emotionally horrible, but, you know, really successful, that's a really confusing dynamic to interject. An interjection is this idea that we will have adults around us or people around us and there are per parts of their personality that we will take on and make into our own right and that becomes ours mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which is where you'll hear the famous sort of like oh no i've become my mother that sort of thing because yeah. at some some point in your life you've interjected an aspect of them mm -hmm. for him to interject such a shitty human who's so successful but is emotionally and physically abusive what are you expecting there are you expecting a really mm -hmm. nice happy human i'm not no, I mean I think it's a really uh, again interesting. That but you I, I do want to emphasize, fuck up. Trump. Go on, <laughs> fuck Trump. But like, it's funny though because before he was president, I feel like everyone loved him. 
<laughs> in a weird kind of way. Um, he was a lovable but, idiot no, on The Apprentice, just like Boris Johnson with, was a lovable idiot with bikes. You know? oh, fuck, I was never, I never ever loved Boris Johnson. I always saw him as like, <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? I'm distracted now. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you bring up Trump because actually I was reading an article about Elon Musk the other day. And obviously right now he's, he's you know, today firing everyone from Twitter, apparently. Um, but I found this article like mind-blowingly fucking interesting because again it gave me like a context for who the fuck he was it didn't make me go okay I, I like you or I feel like you're a good human being or you're whatever but it made me go oh I understand why you appear as an utter dickhead I understand now why that's what <laughs> well, we receive I understand why you're you. a total cunt <laughs> like, I understand I, you know you shouldn't be and you're old enough to maybe decide not to be but also like at yeah. the same time I, I see like his dad He's got a younger brother who I think has also made a lot of money, but not not maybe a billionaire. His dad loves his younger brother and hates him. Elon Musk being like, you know, on and off the richest man in the world, has, his own father doesn't think he's done well enough. Can you fucking imagine becoming that and your daddy still being like, well, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? You're still like, it's actually crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, we're all fucked up, guys. <laughs> We've all got like that's. I that. think that's such a fabulous example because if you've you've literally done things that to fuck people over along the way to get to where you get to, and you're doing really, really well for yourself by society terms, and then you still you still have a nagging parent over you going, it's nothing. Like, obviously you're going to be a bit mad and obsessive with I must do more I must have all the money in the world of course that's where your brain's exactly. going to go you're going to exactly. go to this place because to some extent we're all still trying to strive f for the approval of a parental figure mm -hmm. to some extent exactly. e e even if it's just like a little hair even if you've like done the therapy, you've done the somatic work, you've gone out into the world like, no, I'm standing on my own. There's always going to be that niggling thing in the back of your head where it's like this first voice you've interjected, your first parental figure you've interjected is going, well, that's shit. <laughs> exactly. It's like there's no hope. <laughs> no hope after that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> We can't talk anymore about these people because that's, that's, that's the, like, that is the amount of understanding I can have for them. If I say another word about him, then I'm going to go into mad conspiracy and it's not going to be about the subject matter. No, no totally. And I think, that, I think it's, a, <laughs> I think it's a healthy place to be. I think mm. it is much healthier to say, it's, it's, it's a very healthy place to understand why someone is the way they are not excusing it but just explaining it um, mm -hmm. because then you can move forward with your interactions around them a lot of these people we're never going to meet mm -hmm. a lot of the people you argue with on internet forums you're never going to meet um, you'll see people who are going to be sexist racist homophobic transphobic this phobic mm -hmm. that phobic like absolutely anything 
if you can take a step back and not from a place of empathy, just from a pure place of rational logic, say like, Mm -hmm. huh, this person has probably had some really fucked up views pushed on them. And that is what it is. Mm-hmm. then you you can actually take your own emotion out of the situation because when you're putting so much emotion into all of these things um which you know you do within activism if you're not an activist per se and you're just living your normal life and then you're having to inject these parts of like emotion into your life and it starts to create this sense of like hopelessness because you're not actually doing anything. So you can either do something about it or you, you're just going to have to understand that you're going to send your nervous system into complete disarray because your mm-hmm. nervous system is going to be stuck there wanting to fight and then having nothing to fight, having like mm-hmm. nothing to do, no action behind it. And this is what's becoming quite scary about social media. We've all inadvertently been made an activist for one thing or another. But a lot of the time, so many of us are working multiple jobs or we're bogged down by the fact we've got to look after family and work or bogged down by the fact that we're just burnt out and anxious. We can't do all of the things and you're not helping yourself and you're not helping anyone else because, you know, you have to put on your own, you have to put your own mask on first. You, You can't go around putting on those airplane masks on other people if you're not settled within yourself first a hundred percent a hundred percent this is this is the thing like i think our our culture can be so confused about that kind of thing like it see it it can be like a seen as really selfish to actually just go ahead and look after you but this is something that i really over the last few years of my life has have been really trying to integrate shall I say I understand the concept of it but but integrate because you can't you know it's okay to take time to look after yourself actually it's 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 really important to do that especially if you're the person who has to maybe care for others or you know um we need to be able to find the time to do it for ourselves um do you have you had an experience in your life of being victim blamed Um, yeah, I absolutely have. And I've also been a victim blamer. I've seen, I've been on both sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I've had bad things happen to me and been told, um, well, were you drunk? <laughs> mm-hmm. Were you, were you in control of the situation did you put yourself in a position where they knew what you wanted mm-hmm. no because I didn't know how to set boundaries because I grew up in a home where boundaries weren't allowed and if I set my boundaries I would have been harmed for it mm-hmm. you know so there was no mm-hmm. way of me knowing how to set boundaries um, I've been in situations of course as a child where something really perhaps there's been like a fight or something like that 
where I felt I was defending myself. And then I've just been told, well, you know, you could have just walked away. I could have just walked yeah. away. I could have just walked away when my nervous system is literally gone, ah, and you go into that reptilian brain and you don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. So you don't know how to navigate through that mm-hmm. as an adult because you're not an adult because your brain isn't fully developed since you're 25. I've, I've been blamed in those situations. I've mm-hmm. gone and blamed my friends for being in situations. And uh, this is something I really regret. I've apologized to these friends profusely and asked to make it right. And I think we have over the years and said, well, why did you put yourself in that situation? Why did you, why did you spend time with them? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Of course that was going to happen because that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. And that in retrospect, looking at 17 year old me saying and doing those things, you can absolutely see how I was a product of the social programming and then coming mm-hmm. to an awakening and a realization that that's not the way to go. Yeah. I've apologized and done things to make things right. And, you know, it's not up to the other person. It's, it's not their responsibility to go, okay, I forgive you. It's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't have to accept my apology. They have, yeah. which is an incredibly nice gift. And at any point mm-hmm. in our lives together, they want to say, no, I no longer accept that because this is now replayed in my brain. That is okay. And I Mm -hmm. need to be okay in the fact that I have hurt someone and they need to do what they need to do in order to get their space, their healing and their distance. Yeah, 100%. Have you you ever been victim blamed? Yeah, man, loads. Lots and lots and lots. I was actually had a really interesting conversation with my mum about this the other day. So not specifically about victim blaming, but like we were talking about so I've got I've got a sister who's 15 and a half years younger than me. Same parents, they just, you know, had another go, basically. <laughs> so she's she's a lot younger than my brother. Um and she's and and therefore she's actually had a very different life. She's been raised, I feel like, completely differently to how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, I'm talking to my mum about that, about like her, you know, her her two daughters and her son and like being black coming from South London, like her parents coming over in the 60s and what her experience was like and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, and then we were having a conversation about like how certain things in my our childhood affected me, you know, and I'd like recently gone to meet a client that I teach yoga to and he was like, let's just go for a walk. So we went for a walk and I walk like so fast, like I'm proper like, like, you know, <laughs> it's like I'm gone. And that's me relaxing. That's me having a relaxing walk. Um, and it was so interesting when he pointed it out and was like, can you just like chill out? You're literally my yoga teacher. Can we just like walk slow? <laughs> Enjoy the view. <laughs> um, and I was just, it made me kind of think about that again. And I was speaking, when I was talking to my mum, we were talking about that. You know, this thing that I have where I have to walk like I have somewhere to get to. And she, you know, because one of the things my mum told me when I was little, my grandmother looked after me a lot, like I lived with her. And then when she passed away, there was actually a big transition in my life where that was very difficult. So my mum was quite young. Um, I was uh, like nine, 10. I was having to kind of like 
go to my brother's school and pick him up and then take myself like to, I used to do gymnastics every single day I was um, training so I would then get on the bus like, and go from Peckham to Elephant and Castle which doesn't sound like a lot but for a little well from Nunhead to Elephant Castle which is further for a little girl it's a lot you know there's all of a sudden a lot of responsibility for me and I was given very specific instructions when you walk down the street you have to walk like you have somewhere you're getting to because otherwise you will be raped when you get on the bus you have you have to sit on a seat uh, if there's seats that are on their own and there's no one on the bus you can sit on one of them but make sure you're near the driver if there are women on the bus and there are empty seats you sit next to a woman if there are men on the bus, you don't go anywhere near them, you stand up, right? So there's, because otherwise you'll get raped. Like there was just this constant rhetoric of like, you little girl need to be able to make sure that the worst thing ever, that you don't even really know what it is, doesn't happen to you. Like you have to take that responsibility. You have to dress right, look right, walk right, sound right, protect yourself, protect your little brother and make sure nothing bad happens because bad things are going to happen. Like, and that was something that was like drilled fucking into me. And it was interesting talking to her about it because she was very much like, you know, I just didn't really realize that it would do that to you. Cause I, she learned that from a self-defense class. So she'd been going to self-defense classes and she'd given me the information that she'd learned as a woman going to a women's self-defense class. So this is the stuff that was being taught and that is taught to women or to vulnerable people you have to be responsible for the thing, bad things that could potentially happen to you. Whether or not you have any understanding or concept of those things, you have to be responsible for it. And that lesson has so massively affected my life and has made me really struggle in the places where I have been victimized or victimized myself. Made me really struggle with like being able to accept actually that is so like I'm saying it's okay if bad things happen because actually where was my responsibility with that what did, was, did I not walk metaphorically fast didn't walk fast enough exactly in those exactly and then when I was you know uh I've always I've I, I feel like I've always actually kind of lived on that line of things where I've been trying to fight to get out of a certain kind of victimhood or being viewed as a victim um yeah. at school everything but then when I was a when I was an adult um, I, <laughs> in my first few relationships, I received that message a lot, like a lot, like everything was my fault. Um, uh, I remember my first ever boyfriend, like we'd kind of broken up and in one of our, in like, we had like a three month breakup. I was sexually assaulted by a guru who had been, I'd basically been, I don't want to say made to go to, cause obviously I did have a choice, but I was being taken to this see this guru by people that I really trusted and loved deeply um and when I vo voiced my concerns about him I was told that I was judgmental so this is also another thing that happened that's happened a lot and I feel like can really affect you kind of in those places like the I was told I was just yeah you're no no don't be judgmental Nikki oh, you're so judgmental you're so highly strung like you you know you can't like he's a fucking you know he's so fucking close to God like da 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 who the fuck are you kind of thing almost like that wasn't what was said but that's you know it was it, it was pretty much that um and it, that implicit unfolded with implication exactly implicit exactly. So. so and that unfolded me being in a very very vulnerable place in my life um with me being sexually assaulted when I then got back with my boyfriend literally weeks after that had happened he was 
and I can understand this now. I was probably 20. He was maybe 24. Like, but he literally screamed at me in the street. I remember walking down the street by like the Royal Albert Hall, Kensington in, in London. And he just, I told him because it had just come out in the paper that that guru had, um, had been arrested or was going to be arrested. Like it was basically in the paper. Um, mm. And so all of a sudden I couldn't like ignore this thing or push down this thing that had just happened to me. Like I had to kind of go uh, like semi-accept it. I told him, I told my my boyfriend at the time and he, yeah, like he just screamed at me in the middle of the street. It's your fault. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, why did you put yourself in that situation? Like that basically it is just all completely your fault. There's no onus on the person who actually did the thing. And that was utterly devastating. I then had like, it was mostly from the masculine as well. Like, so I had a lot of men who had very strong opinions about it. And it was very much completely my fault with all of those men. Um, And I really struggled with that for a very long time. Like I struggled. And then when I went, moved into deeper into like my healing path, like again, I came up against the same thing, which is kind of why I feel like it is really important to talk about this because I feel like when you get involved in all this spiritual shit like everybody and their fucking dog has an opinion and on your life and how you should be and it's really really important for you to kind of just be for me I've had to get to a place where I can just be like I don't care about your fucking hippie shit like I don't care (laughs) but it's taken me 15 years to do that and actually going through immense trauma um and having this massive internal struggle with it actually this the nature of being a victim like especially you know when something like that happens to you and you're just like for fuck's sake if there was you know if I could see the future which I know we say we can but you know (laughs) if I could see the future I never fucking would have done the thing like I never would have done it but now it's happened I need to be held I need to be supported I need really need somebody outside of me to realize that it was not my fault and I need to have that fed to me for my healing you know as a 20 year old girl like it was actually really 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 fucking hard so I try to understand people and people's stuff as much as possible but it's like what you're saying it is the explanation and not uh I can't remember how you just said it but you said it so beautifully excuse excuse yeah you don't excuse Um, them Exactly. And, you know, and I understand, you know, you can understand a lot, a lot of my, um, the people I would say have been perpetrators in my life. I have done a lot of work on trying to understand them. Um, and that's because I really struggled to forgive, which again, I don't think is really that bad. <laughs> um, but I've had to do a lot of work. Is, and, yeah. I, I get really, I get really preachy about forgiveness because mm. I feel forgiveness is for you if you want to give it. And 100%. the other person does not need to know you forgive them. That's what I feel percent. about forgiveness. A thousand you, percent. You don't, need to, you don't need to forgive some people. You absolutely do not need to forgive some people. Um, mm-hmm. I will say it does help. It absolutely helps you 100%. if you can get to that place. 100%. However, no one's no one should be telling you you have to forgive. You know, the Lord says you should forgive because you will feel good for, and it will be better for you. And like, no, it's oh, no. entirely up to you. That is entirely, entirely to yours to to hold entirely. 
exactly exactly and I literally I can't stand this I was in a very like abusive relationship for several years and it was very spiritual shall we say and when I left that relationship a lot of my closest friends really struggled to understand that I'd been through something really bad and still do I think and I've had several conversations with somebody who was one of my closest friends about uh, my ex-partner and just this struggle that I had where I felt like nobody really rallied to support me at all. People just kind of like ignored that. And I really struggled to kind of move past the traumas that I'd experienced. Um, and I remember speaking to this friend and they were just saying to me, do you know what, Nick, you just need to forgive him. And I'm just like, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not re- I guess I have yeah, actually thanks. in a way. I'll go buy and he <laughs> And then my friend was like, well, you know, if you've forgiven him, then you should be able to like now basically have him in your life. And it was such a mind blowing thing to hear from this person. Like, but for me, for me, it would be really good if I could get to a place where I forgave my ex to such an, and, and, and that forgiveness looks, should look like I could now be best friends with him or friends with him. And I had to explain to this friend, like, that is not forgiveness, bruv. That is fucking not forgiveness. That is, <laughs> that's me actually stepping back and throwing myself fucking under the bus again. I have decided that my life is better without that energy in it. And I've had to do a lot of work around that. So that for me, forgive, but don't forget. I guess is the way is the way that we we should roll with that. Forgive, but don't forget. Um, yeah, you, you kind of you. you it, it, I mean, trauma affects your memory anyway. You kind of have to have mm. a long memory on these things because mm. you can't be put back into that situation again. It's a survival mm. technique, and um, yeah, I, I guess what I would say on that is if you are in a place where you are playing it in your head again and again and again. And please do find a way to remedy that over the course of whatever work you're doing. Because I, I will say that I've watched people in my family have things happen to them 35 years ago. And they will find every opportunity to talk about it like it happened yesterday, mm-hmm. like in conversations. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm you can see how it is destroying their lives because they're just stuck in this time that no longer exists and it's just destroying their lives. So if you do feel like you are stuck in a loop, anyone listening to this, please find the help because Mm. you honestly do not need to get to like 60, 70 replaying this because it is just going to do horrors for your brain and your health. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't speak to my father. Um, he left my mum when I was very young. I was three or four. My brother was nine months old and um, he um, left to be with a, another woman. Quite cliched, a much younger woman. And um, I think it was probably about eight years ago now. I tried to have a conversation with him about, you know, the fact that because he left... I was then placed into situations. Um, I was looked after by certain family members because we didn't have his support um, that abused me um, mm. physically, emotionally. Um, 
And had he been there, I would not have been exposed to that abuse and violence. And he just, Mm -hmm. he couldn't hear it. He couldn't hear it. And it became this huge screaming match. So I decided, do you know what? I'm not going to talk to you. And since that point, I've, you know, I've had my, I've had loads of therapy, as you probably all know, if you're listening here, I'm a, I'm a big mm-hmm. uh, fan of therapy. I've done the mushrooms, I've done the healing journeys. I've trained as a psych, I've started my training as a psychotherapist. So through all of this, I've come to a place where it's like, I can understand how this man's fucked up childhood would have led him to this place now where he can't own responsibility for things and I can absolutely forgive him because ultimately and I mean this in the most non-malicious way person he's a fucking moron he's emotionally stunted (laughs) he's a fucking idiot (laughs) and it's it's not I mean it is his fault that he's not remedied this but the programming mm-hmm. that he received as a child is why he's a fucking idiot. So I can forgive mm-hmm. him for being a fucking idiot. Um, and there are other things that, you know, he acts of violence that he had enacted on me as a child growing up. I can forgive him for all of that because I have a place of understanding. Do mm-hmm. I forget and place myself back in a situation where I talk to him? No. Will I talk to him ever again? Probably not. Um, my mum always says, oh, you know, you really should talk to him. You're going to feel so bad when he dies and um, you're, you're going to feel really upset that you didn't spend the time to talk to him um, mm-hmm. and you should forgive him. It's like, but I, I have forgiven him. It's because I've forgiven him, I understand not to place myself in that situation again because I know that talking to him, he is just going to be a trigger he Mm -hmm. isn't someone I can talk to because I know how he affects my nervous system. Yeah. Um, And I think it's quite funny that she's the one saying, Oh, forgive him (laughs) when he's literally, he's run out on her. So it's, um, I guess very good on her to want me to have that relationship. Mm -hmm. But I've gotten to a place in my life where I know it isn't necessary because yeah. he he's a huge victim blamer. He's a huge victim mm-hmm. blamer. There are just several things that have happened to me growing up where he's just like, oh, yeah, well, it's your fault. Well, you shouldn't have done this. Well, you shouldn't have done that. Bitch, maybe I needed the protection of a father and I wouldn't have done these things. Have you ever considered, have you considered that? <laughs> um, <laughs> mm. But no. I mean, I, I, I totally, yeah, I totally hear that. I've got a similar thing with my dad as well. And actually it's a, it's a process that I'm still in and I've done a lot of work around, you know, healing it and understanding it. And I feel like, you know, it does always come back to a place of understanding, but you know, what, like you said before, it's about the rational, logical understanding of the thing, the person, like I can understand that my dad that his childhood and and a lot of his adult life has been incredibly traumatic and really, really, really difficult. And I can see all the places where he has not received what he deserved as a human being, like a hundred percent. But what that means that he has become as an adult, as his child, I actually cannot accept for my life. And it takes a lot, 
you know, like you were saying, to be able to do it for a parent, you know, and you're, I understand your mum can be like, you should forgive them. And from that kind of zoomed out perspective, say, you know, you'll regret this. And honestly, when I listen to you, there's a part of me that worries that you would, because I struggle with those thoughts in my brain all the time. Like I've mm. stopped talking to my dad a lot. And then over time thought, I, he's a human being and I'm literally like his fucking seed, you know, and he has no one else kind of thing. So maybe it should be me that's there. But then the flip side is this. I don't remember fucking asking to be born or signing any fucking soul contracts. I'm just going to put that out there. Like no. these two people decided to birth me, right? If their yeah. shit was not together and then I had to endure that and then as an adult heal from it, then, you know, I don't know if there will be the space over my entire life to actually have, be b back fully in relation, for example, with my father, because I am the child. This is the thing that has directly affected me. He isn't just a random person or a friend of mine that I know and I wanted to have that relationship. It, this is somebody that I was, I was placed in this situation and I can a thousand percent understand and still love, but you have to, have to, have to, have to fucking look at yourself and go, you're worth more than this shit sometimes, you know, especially with these people that don't give you that support or that actually really confuse your mental state, flip it on you. You're the fucking yeah. problem. Like this is and not that's okay. And that's moving from a place of feeling like a victim to understanding. Mm. And I think these two things are very different. Yes. I am a victim. You're owning a thing. Mm -hmm. I have had an experience in my life where life where I've been victimized. Very different. Mm. You're not mm. owning the thing. You're you're mm. in the thing. You're understanding how the thing works. It's not a personality trait. Yes. Making that a personality trait, you know, um, that is where you are going to start to see your downfall. Mm -hmm. You will see your own downfall because they have started, they have started the momentum of this thing and you're continuing it. Mm -hmm. And when you're in exactly. it, it's really, really hard to say, it's really hard to yourself to say to yourself, it wasn't my fault. Mm -hmm. And there are several techniques and therapies for getting yourself to that place where you can go, it wasn't my fault. Mm -hmm. And if you have been in that situation, it now becomes for better or worse, your responsibility to move from that place. I am the victim to, I have had this place yeah. where I have been victimized in my life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, these are lifetime works, boy. Flipping out. <laughs> I definitely cried like 10 times as well, by the way, like today. Yeah. <laughs> I totally feel that, but the makeup. No, I, I hope. I mean, I I know we have these these conversations, so other people can join in. But I hope you yourself, like what I've said to you, makes sense because what you've said to me makes mm. sense. And Jay, you always make sense, babe. You always make sense. <laughs> My but <laughs> it, it's important we have these long conversations and in-depth conversations about these things otherwise yeah. we only nurture the places that allow us to self-wallow and yes that self-wallowing it doesn't 
like I said, I've seen it ruin lives. I've seen it ruin mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. I've seen it stop people in their tracks from accomplishing what they want to accomplish for themselves. Mm. And I just, I refuse, I refuse to have that happen to me because I refuse to get to 65 and look at myself and be like, what was it all for? Yeah. I, like, I have this um, conversation with myself like every day, babe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it is a hard one. It is a hard one, this stuff. Because even with you saying that, like about wallowing, because I totally agree with that. But I also have been diagnosed. I say diagnosed, like I've had a therapist tell me like in a very official way that I'm a dweller. And I never heard the word like dwell in a psychological context, not just by, oh, just don't dwell on that. She was like, okay, so you've got this thing, it's called dwelling. And that means that you dwell on shit. You can't get (laughs) over it, (laughs) basically, you know. And so there's also is this place where I feel like really understanding people's mental health and that everybody's brain does work a little bit differently. And that even if, for example, you have depression or you have anxiety, so your next door neighbor's depression and anxiety will maybe manifest and feel and come be as be different, look different. You won't necessarily always understand it. And I feel like there, so there has to be like also a level of understanding for yourself that mm. sometimes you can't just always think something better. I guess that's what we've been talking about. You can't just always sit there you and can't. go like, no, not I'm all just the time. Gonna... Sometimes you may be thinking something better, and then something will happen, and you'll be triggered. Because a smell, mm-hmm. a sound, anything sensory comes into your mm-hmm. area and then you're triggered and then you're having to find a way out of that. Um, exactly. I do want to recommend something practical for people at the end of this. Because if you're yes. a dweller, then you're going to have a different way of snapping yourself out of it than someone else who mm-hmm. isn't. And I, I, I definitely say I'm probably, I probably used to be a dweller. Because I've mm. been working on it, I'm now just someone who has violent flashbacks at the most inappropriate times. Uh-uh. Um, An evolution. <laughs> I don't know if it's <laughs> any better. <laughs> um, fun fact for all of you guys, we had to stop about 18 minutes in because I had a panic attack because a sound went off. Mm. Um, so, so we're not just people going, just brave through it. Just get it done. You know, you're a weakling. <laughs> No, no, no. We're not not those people. (laughs) I want you to have tools that you can come to. So what has been great, what is a good idea is creating like a box or maybe it's not a box. Maybe it's like a a tick list on your phone. Mm -hmm. Things you can do when you feel activated, when your nervous system is in fight, flight Mm. or fall mode, whatever you're activated. And it tends to be good to write these things down when you're not feeling like this. So that when you are feeling like this, when you are feeling activated, you can come back to this box, this list, whatever method you've done to collect your thoughts into a place. If you're creating a box, then you can create loads of little like flashcards, like sensory Mm -hmm. things in the box just to prompt you. So what you're looking to do is create prompts. So if you, for me, I have dealt with dissociation. So that's when you feel like, involuntarily i know we journey you're you're actually like leaving your body <laughs> you're leaving the situation yeah. <laughs> it's 
funnily enough, doing the journey work regularly helps to stop doing that because I guess voluntarily doing it, I know how to feel when I'm doing that so I can pull myself back in. Um, so the journey yes. work is a toolkit in my toolkit to do regularly. Um, but if you are feeling dissociated, then you should probably have something that you can bring yourself, your body back into the world. So um, sometimes grabbing onto a, a comb, like an acupressure comb and um, holding mm. it and squeezing it into that part of your hand, that can help to bring you back into your body with some deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing. So that's one way. You can splash your face with cold water. That helps to regulate um, the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, what's really good is to, and I mean freezing cold, freezing cold, you can literally go out onto the ground and put your feet into grass or a patch of grass mm-hmm. and you can do some deep diaphragmatic breathing. Another great one is shaking. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll see like animals after they're in the wild, after they've been chased by like a bear or whatever, Afterwards, mm-hmm. they'll go into this state where they'll just shake. They'll just tremble and shake. And it helps to release the ner- the nerves from the nervous system. So, um, those are all really good things for dissociation. Um, if you're feeling down or can't get out of bed, then there are things that you can do in bed. So once again, I say breathing a million times, I feel. Go back into diaphragmatic breathing. You can do gentle stretches in bed. There are things you can do with your to reset your vagus nerve. So if you're just lying down flat and your head sort of pointing, your face is forward to the ceiling, you can bring your eyes, and not your head, just your eyes, to the left, hold it there for 30 seconds, bring it back to the centre, and then do it again to the other side for 30 seconds and bring it back to the centre. And you can do that, and eventually that, I'm feeling it now, it triggers a yawn because that helps to reset the nervous system. I feel like mm. I'm just reading off tips okay. now. Um, emotional freedom tapping, EFT, you can look mm-hmm. that up. So there are certain like affirmations that you can do and tap and that helps to um, hit on your n- certain nerves within the body that helps to reset the vagus system. So there are things you can do if you're able to stand up. There are things to do if you're flat in your bed, crying, need to lie down. Mm-hmm. Have yourself a toolkit. So when you're in these states, you can bring yourself back around and then take Mm -hmm. the time to breathe, cancel things if you have to, go for a long walk if you have to, um, and take care of you. Mm -hmm. Did any of those Mm -hmm. tips um, have any of those? They're amazing um, tips. I think think they're all really amazing, really simple, straightforward things to do, no faff. Like for me, the earthing, or ground so going out and just standing on the earth like you were saying with no shoes on is one of the is one of the best things also um sometimes for me just having a shower so it can literally change my energy you know i will also do things like you know if i'm feeling a bit more spiritual about it something bad happens i'm going to take out my fucking sage i'm going to change i'm going to change that so whatever energy in the room way yeah whatever way makes sense for you like even cleaning sometimes cleaning will help me for me it's about that so it's how am i going to create that change of energy which all of these things 
will do. I struggle. I think we mentioned this in our last one. Sometimes I struggle with, ironically, being a yoga teacher. with just sitting there and breathing. When I'm in my deepest, darkest places, that is probably not going to be the thing I can do. I need to do something else. You know, if I'm in bed, that may just be distracting myself with Netflix. And that's fucking okay to do for a couple of hours if you need to. Do you know what I mean? But for me, normally, I have to do something that will make my body move. A lot of time that isn't going to be like a full on exercise. But if I can get up and walk into the shower and cleanse myself, that will make me feel different. Mm. You know, um, shaking, shaking is the one. Now, I've done that a lot with my teachers. Yeah, like we did. And then Qigong and stuff, we do. We do that shaking and kidney tapping. And I tell you what. You know how you feel after you have a big stretch or you have a big, like, like everyone knows that it creates a change. And for me, shaking, because, because we have to think about it, we feel overstimulated, you have a heightened cortisol or adrenaline running, rushing around your body and you are holding that in. It is literally makes you feel like you want to explode and implode and whatever at the same time, like something shaking literally transforms that it gives a outlet for all of those extra things to move through and out of your system so yeah all of these techniques are really beautiful actually and i think it's a really useful thing for you to offer something like that for our listeners so you're welcome guys yeah <laughs> I, I will just say on a final note during that <laughs> break where i did ah, freak yeah. out what I went and mm. did is I got my Florida water, I put it in my hands, I ran it over my head, I mm. spent a moment with the Florida water, and then I just shook out my whole body. That's what I did off camera. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. Bring out that Agua Florida. That changes the game. I was surprised as well, because like I, I genuinely, when Jay came back, was like, we don't have to do this day, babes. Like, <laughs> we can just go and have our own individual mental breakdowns and then like come back in a day <laughs> that was literally the <laughs> she pep was like, talk she gave me <laughs> that was the pep talk <laughs> she was like no fucking way we need to do it and there was a change i did definitely see that something had happened like when you'd gone off so yeah really mm. really really good ah <sighs> so my tea said to this, is like, we did this episode. i don't know why we put it off for me so too. long I know me too. I felt like it was gonna be like super overwhelming. Now I'm I'm back at that place where I'm like, wow, there's actually so much more that we could talk about on this subject, you know. So yeah. darling listeners, please, 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 please comment, like let us know your thoughts, tell us your experiences. Yep, all in the box below. Um and yeah, remember that we're here, we're we're trying to make or we are making connections and trying to make all of this stuff much less scary and much less ridiculous so please come and join in um yeah let us know if if you have done any of those techniques and and if they've created a change for you at all thank you so much for being here today with the afro animus podcast i'm jay percy and i'm nicola roth and thank you so much guys we will see you next week See you next time. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you, beautiful being of the multiverse, for joining us on the Afro Animist podcast. If you want to get stuck into the conversation or have a question about anything we speak about here, 
join our mailing list and find us on our socials. On TikTok and Instagram, find us at the Afro Animist Podcast. On Twitter, you can find us at Afro Animist. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Music, you can also find this talk on YouTube. Just search for us and we will pop up as if by magic. If you're loving what we're talking about here, share, like and subscribe. And remember to leave us a thumbs up or five star rating on your favourite platform.